This week on Backyard Footy. I think our club has been, been really bad, to be honest. I've been super disappointed. Um, we had a meeting with our our GM, I think it was yesterday. Yeah. And he was like, they're trying to do some like diversity program within the team. Just to, like, I don't even, I'm not really sure what the, the what he's trying to get out of doing this program. But um, I brought up a couple things to him because I don't know if you guys know about like all the shit that went on with our team in preseason. Like yeah. we had the coach saying the N word in the locker room and shit. And like, it just kind of like got brushed under the rug and like, they like let him resign. So like we had fans that were like blowing us oh up God. about like nigger this nigger that like calling us all types of shit like as if like we did something <laughs> wrong in that situation. And the club did nothing like to like really back us. Like all they said is like, yeah, he resigned, didn't give a reason, didn't tell the story of what actually happened. Kind of just let like the public decide what really happened. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Footy fans, welcome back for another Black Lives Matter special edition. We're here live for part two in the 40th episode, where each episode I dive into the backgrounds, journeys, and experiences of professional athletes, former athletes, and anyone that's been involved with the game. If you haven't listened to part one, make sure you tune in and hear that impactful episode. We talk about growing up black playing footy in America, what effects a white coach can have on black kids growing up, and many, many authentic stories you won't get anywhere else. I'm telling y'all, definitely tune in to part one before you listen to part two. For part two, we have the same crew with three new guests joining me for this episode for tonight. So some of the old crew guys, we have Peebo Duway from Captain of Loudon FC, Carlton Benmar from Sacramento Republic, Sean Johnson, NYCFC, U.S. Nas- National Team goalkeeper, Aaron Mound, uh, former Vancouver Whitecaps center back, Brandon Miller, independence goalkeeper. Bilal Duckett's on it as well. Former player as well. Legend in the league. And Joe Jow joins us as well from FC Cincinnati. And George Davis the fourth is back on from Louisville City. So now joining me for this episode, I have Kyrie Shelton from Sporting Kansas City. He's been playing for the U.S. national team as well. He also spoke up for Sporting Kansas City in a recent article speaking up on George Floyd's death and what impacted him as well. Next, we have Fatai Alashi from FC Cincinnati and the MLS as well, four-year pro. And lastly, joining us as well is London Woodbury, who used to play for New England Revolution, Austin Bold, and the USL. But like I said, we have a lot to talk about, a lot to dive into, so let's get started and tune in. <laughs> so that's what I was just about to say. So I was about to start uh, warm up into the joint, but for real, I woke up this morning and saw what those North Carolina cops said out in Wilmington. Bro. Talking about they want to slaughter us, getting ready for the second Civil War. So, I mean, like I said, I was about to ease into it, but now nah, we're we hopping right back into it. But <laughs> as, we, as we all know, we talked about things three weeks ago are going to get back to normal. But we know from the past three weeks, things have still been going on. There's been some hangings been more police killings. We've been doing peaceful protests, but we're still getting killed out there. It's almost like we still can't just be black. At the Wendy's that you guys saw in Atlanta, my man was just sleeping in his car and people still getting killed out there. It's crazy, right? 
So I already know y'all have stopped getting those texts from your white friends talking about how y'all feeling and stuff. So what's this kind of tell you guys about the culture within this country over these past couple of weeks and just in general, for real? Don't affect you. It don't matter. Bro. Right. That's, that's what it seems like. Or that's what it's been like now that, you know, everybody's timeline has cooled down a little bit. So, you know, sports, the EPL is back. Everything is back to normal for everybody, you know? I mean, we yeah, talked I mean, about this last time, how it's almost like a trend. You know, we do the, the black Instagram posts and everybody want to post for Juneteenth and be an expert on that, you know? And then a few days later, it's quiet as dead. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's what we expected. It is what it is, you know? Yeah, I think, I think we're, uh, we're living in society right now. But- based on trending news you know that's that is what it is like trending news is what is happening and what is what is being talked about in the now and then we become you know so desensitized to the fact that once we hear something else as just a society we just move on immediately and start talking about that and forget about anything else yeah. it feels that's just my personal feeling of what's going on now but hey a lot of people myself included still got to put on the gas pedal you know? Gotta, gotta keep, gotta keep pressing on. Can't let people forget. Hundred percent. Exactly what we're doing. Are you eating, bro. Somebody's chomping. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's uh, me. That's, me. that's, me. that's <laughs> my bad. That's my bad. Thought I was on mute. <laughs> What's going on, dog? I, I think that's where some, some of the anger is coming from, though. You hear some of these people speaking out. How, you know, they kind of showing their true colors and that's because they can't hide from it anymore. It's been for so long you've been able to ignore. And now, you know, yeah, it's died down a little bit, but people are still out there. I know in Louisville, people have been protesting nonstop. Yeah. You know, with the Breonna Taylor thing, like it's still heavy around here. So mm. I know with that, it's making a lot of people uncomfortable as we talked about in the last show. And I think that's brought out some, some anger. You know what I mean? Like what these cops said in Wilmington, you know, they, they're getting fed up and, and people are showing their true colors. Yeah. Big facts. Yeah, I think we always knew that there was going to be some pushback. Right. Right? Like, it wasn't going to be that, you know, the energy that we saw on social media was going to be the thing that fixed everything, right? It's just the start of, it's the, start of the wave. It's the start of the tide. What I've noticed, because I'm in D.C., the movement is still moving heavily here as well. Um, but also what I'm noticing is that while it's maybe not as loud on social media, um, there's still a lot of really good work that's being done by people who like litigators, um, or people who are looking to enact policies, whether it's like national policies or policies at work. I think what we have to do is continue to stay vigilant, right? It's a marathon and not a sprint and continue to push our circles, whether it's your team or your social circles or whatever it is, keep pushing those circles so that they don't, we, like, we can't let them think that this is all dead and done, right? Like, that's where our power and our influence comes is by making the stuff around us better. And I've seen a lot of good stuff coming out of both the MLS and the USL, so I applaud you guys for that, but got to keep the foot on the pedal for sure. Yeah, we talked about, I, I've had some, I've had lots of conversations as I'm sure all you have, you know, and uh, I think one of the common themes from, from a lot of people is that 
um, the biggest impact we can make is how do we like implement programming change that can sustain over decades and periods of time um, to do things that are, you know, only going to help or only going to bring awareness for the next day or the next week or the next month. That's kind of playing into that trendy news kind of, kind of area, you know? So I know here uh, Louisville city, we've, you know, the club is trying, we've started to put together a, basically like a diversity inclusion opportunity committee within the club, you know? So that way we getting out into the community and actually enacting programs that would be sustainable, something that can last over time to where the young men and women, uh, young boys and girls who, who are learning at these young ages can carry that on over periods of time and, and mature and be able to spread that to their families and friends. Um, so I think that's something that, you know, even like a lot of people from the litigation, um, to all the people that are marching and protesting still, I think the biggest impact that we can have are our programs and, and words and ideas that are sustainable and that are going to make lasting impact. Yeah, yeah I think your your teammate, uh, George, said it, said it best. Uh, Speedy was like, <clears throat> we we can't change, like individually, we can't change the, the entire world, but we can change our own worlds, right? And so like if we're changing our own communities, like you're talking about there, like Louisville doing that, doing that work in Louisville, like if we can do that in Charlotte, you know, you can go out and do that with your individual teams there. That's going to have a ripple effect around the country, right? So like if we look at it like, oh, I need to change the entire world myself, that's going to, that's like a big burden and that's, that's way too much for one person. But if we can look at changing our own individual circles, our own individual communities and then have that ripple effect, I think that's going to have the lasting effect that we're looking for. Uh, that, I mean, that's a little bit what we said last time. You know, starting in-house, starting things, you know, on the home front first. I feel like that's that's that that's where we need to start because sometimes I feel like when I when I when I uh, am offering things or you know speaking out about ideas, it's like speaking on deaf ears. You know, it's like you got to kind of get out and do it yourself first, get things started first. Because I mean, it's like it's it's our community you know what i'm saying we got to clean up our we got to clean up our shit first before we can expect anybody else to come in there and try and give a hand out you know so i definitely commend that for sure i'm trying to do that over here in cincinnati man but you yeah, know something, something here too yeah create like t-shirts or something you know trying to keep this movement going where people are watching us live on tv every single game when they see regardless they know what's up either it's an armband or a t-shirt or just like an epl all the last names of Switch to Black Lives Matter, just so people know that this movement isn't dying down at any time. Because clearly, yeah. it's still going on. Bro, do you see that? Where they injected that guy with ketamine? Mm -mm. Yeah, that was crazy. Bro, that shit was crazy. Like, um, bro, they injected this guy. Um, his name was Elijah or something. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. yeah. Got man on the floor and injected him with tranquilizer enough to take down a 250-pound man, bro. They didn't have a camera on either, huh? They turned the camera on or some shit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, like, they're injecting people with tran tranquilizers, bro. What is that? Bro, what? I don't understand. <laughs> We're like, that's evil, man. Someone like livestock, bro. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's evil. It's yeah. evil, bro. I couldn't believe it when I saw it, man. But yo, do you think it's a it's a fear of like, like they grow up just thinking that black people aren't human? Like they look at us like we're not humans. 
it, that's the only thing that can make sense because they they must look at it as from a fear standpoint, like, you know, like these people, like, because how can you be afraid of a regular old dude? Like you see, you must, you must yeah. see him like an animal. Forty pounds. Yeah, this dude. Was, what I'm saying. He was afraid. I get, yeah. I get the feeling that that a lot of these people grow up in like similar ways to how we probably grew up where your parents are like always telling you stories and telling you like what to watch out for and stuff like that. But the things that these people's parents are telling them is like about us telling them like when you're walking down the street, you see a black guy, make sure you, you be careful with your, with your belongings because he might take it from you, you know? So when you're growing up with these thoughts in your head already, it's, it's only going to continue to get worse as you, as you grow older and have your own experiences. I think it's like, you know, it's been happening. It's been constant reinforcement of like this propaganda, the rhetoric that, you know, the super predator idea that, you know, you know black people are just out here to be, you know, be hurtful and, and uh, kind of take, 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 but it's, you know, exactly the opposite. It's the exact opposite, bro. Like, yo, uh, the, the notion that I get from so many people, like, oh my God, you can't, you, you can't go to the hood. You'll, you'll get robbed. Like, they don't just go out and just rob random people. Like, not just random people are getting shot in the hood for just, like, people like, oh, my God, you can't go down there. It's, just, it, it's not just going to happen randomly. Like, you're just going to catch a bullet to the head if you just set foot in this black neighborhood. Like, it just, I feel like the media just portrays so many crazy things about the, the black community that it just, when you don't have that much interaction with black folks, that's all you'll see. Yeah, you're scared of what you don't know. Yeah. Exactly. George, I remember you told me a story like two, three years ago about you were coaching this kid and he was telling telling you that his parents never took him to the hood and he's like 16, 17 years old. And he just yeah. never, he never knew about the bad side of Louisville. But I feel like all white parents, you know, that have gone off what you're saying too, protecting their child from the fear or whatever it is installed with them from way, way back growing up and creating that disconnect where they don't, they don't even want to enter our world, which I understand too, but that's just why there's such a big, big disconnect and a gap because there's no understanding about our culture when we have to adapt to their culture. I mean, it's, it's for us, you know, uh, obviously a room full of successful black men, we understand the success and the pride that we have as black people, right? But the amount of people that I've met, I mean, I'm talking like grown men who've never actually sat down and had a conversation with a black man or, or kids who are teenagers and they've never been able to look at a black man as a mentor, like their whole idea. And then even heavier than that, I was put on to some, uh, one, of, one of my friends, he was talking about, like you look at a picture of lynchings, right? Mm. Let's just say that lynching took place in 19... 50 or 1960 and you see these kids that are in the pictures mm. now like if you can be a child and look at a man being hung or a lynching of a black man like and not feel remorse that means you look at that man as inhumane like that's less than you understand so now these these boys and girls at the time are now you know, 50, 60, our parents were alive in the, in the 60s. You know what I'm saying? In the 50s. So now these are, these are people who are, that you may be having conversations with, you know, in the day. You know, like these are people who are walking around here, who are running businesses, who are making decisions in the court systems, 
who are police officers. You know what I mean? So we try, we think of it as, all right, modern day black men, what are they scared of? But it's actually so much deeper than that, that they couldn't even tell you why they scared of black men or why they want to do harm to, to black men in the way that they do. You know, and that, I mean, shit, I'm 30 something years old and I just, like, that was a new perspective for me because we look at history as if it's like history, like that shit can't happen again. But there's been how many lynchings in the last two weeks? Literally men being hung by, in trees. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. it's heavy, it hurts, it's, but it's the fucking truth, man. I think you I know? saw something today. Um, I think Emmett Till would have been 78. Yeah. Wow. The, the woman who accused him of it is still alive. Wow. wow. We, we think that this is a different life. Wow. But like, this is this is recent recent history right it's i mean it's perpetuated from generation to generation and i mean you look at like george said who's running the country now those are the people that are making the decisions are the same ones who were instilled during their young generation that this is how you look at you know black people and so now they're making those decisions and they're teaching their children the same thing which is then another generation that needs to learn and needs to be broken of the habits that they've been um, basically taught for like the past five, 10, 15 years. You want to, Brandon, you want to mention anything about our owner? I mean, going off this, we're literally talking about what George is saying about people hiding behind their suits and things. Our owner, I'm, I'm sure you guys haven't seen on Twitter, but one of our majority owners has been tweeting all kind of Trumpness and pro-right things, kind of things like, and fans are getting a hold of this too now. So fans are retweeting this saying like, I wish our owner wasn't like this. You guys have better owners, yada, yada, yada. Like this is terrible, all kind of things, but nothing's being spoken about. And then they put a little statement out a month ago saying they support the culture, all these things, but our literally our majority owner is tweeting and retweeting all kind of propaganda and craziness right now. And people and their the other partners are just turning their shoulder to it. So literally going off what you're saying, G, these guys, you know, they say they want to work hard for us and our contracts and things, but then when these instances start to happen, you start to see their true colors and how they really feel. And we now, you're starting to get a better idea and understanding that it's not really about us and it's way deeper than this game that we're playing. Never was, bro. It never was. About the money in their pockets at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, we just look, I always refer back to the NFL, you know? Like, look how many... How many black coaches are there out of 32 teams? How many black general managers? How many executives? How many black executives are in professional sports? You know? And when you start to answer those questions, then you really it starts to paint a picture. You know? But like, like we talked about on the last show, how do we get in those positions? Like the men in this room, the men that, who have gone through playing experience, who are smart minds, you know, and educated, different culture. You know, how do those men get into the room? How do we get into those rooms? to where we can make decisions and we can start to make uh, impacts in those rooms. So with uh, with sports now starting to happen, kind of mentioned it earlier, when we saw some NBA players like Kyrie, for example, voice his opinion saying that sports starting up would be a distraction. Do you, how do you guys feel about that as well? Do you think sports is going to be a distraction with the movement? And do things need to, you know, like a statement needs to be made? For example, like players sitting out kind of thing. You know, NBA has different budgets than we do, but maybe them sitting out for a couple of weeks would send a powerful message. Do we feel like sports is now, especially with outside opening back up, going to try to push this away? I think, I think so, because I, I feel like 
if you look at social media, for instance, and you see all the people that have been quiet during this whole thing, the second the sports came back out, you know, you saw them posting and everything about it, you know, whether it was like schedules or, or, you know, just announcements and stuff like that. But it's like, where have you been in the past three, four weeks when everything was going on? Like, like people that you sit next to in locker rooms and stuff like that, like muted. And then all of a sudden, you know, something comes out and it, you, you can post again. But when it was something as simple as showing your support, not that anybody was really asking for it, but when it was something that simple, you couldn't do it, you know what I mean? But when it comes to, you know, you playing a game, it's, it, it's that easy for you. So I think it could be, but it's like, what do you do about it? And like, like you said, like, do you sit out? Do you, do you risk losing money over it? Like, what, 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 do, you, what do you do? Yeah. I think it, I think it works both ways, though, because like you said, those are people that were quiet this whole time and didn't have much to say. And now the sports are back and that's what catches their interest. So I think it's, can also be looked at as like a great opportunity to catch the eyes of those people who, you know, maybe they haven't done their part in trying to educate themselves or trying to do more. Um, so maybe that's a time where, you know, now that you're going to be in front of a bunch of eyes, you know, you have the chance to impact those people as well if they decide they care all of a sudden. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think, you look at it both ways, right? Like the people who are making those those conscious decisions to, you know, sit out um, and, you know, continue fighting, um, you know, away from sport. I think, like, you know, Fatai said, just as, just as those who are going to be resuming sports, there'll be eyes on sports. Everybody's eager to watch that. So, you know, there's, there's a responsibility with that platform, with those who are going to be, you know, playing um, when, when things resume to, to continue to bring awareness um, so that people can't forget. You know, so that when they are watching, they're going to keep seeing what has been, you know, put out and what people have been fighting for. Um, and that has been extremely loud and visible for everybody to see um, that they felt so uncomfortable that they, they couldn't say things they wanted. They couldn't continue to, to go unmuted and, and tweet the things they wanted. So um, I do think, you know, it can work in both ways. And, you know, everybody that's that's continuing to play, um, you know, has, has a role to play in that. And I hope to see that with you know, the NBA as well with those guys who are going to resume uh, if they resume. Um, but I think, yeah, it can, it can work definitely in both ways. Um, and I'll just, I'll say this because I, I have to hop off um, this call in, in a few minutes. So just my, my last words to you fellas, um, just circling back on the things that we can do um, in our own house, you know, in our, in our own communities. I just had a, a meeting today with, with our sporting director and talking about, um, so many different things, but, you know, talking about how can you, how can we as a club, he was talking as himself, how can we as a club, um, you know, continue to, to build on, you know, hiring practices? How can we be more, um, you know, inclusive for, for black people in that process? How, how do we, as George said, get people in those positions where we step into roles where, you know, we're now executives and things like that. And I think um, it's important because there hasn't been opportunity a lot of times for, for black people um, and it starts, starts at the grassroots, right? Having the opportunity to play and what that means um, to start to change that. But what I suggested was if you, if you take one, um, I told him he's going to have to do a lot of work. He's going to have to do more work and he's going to be more diligent in the hiring process when it comes to, um, to seeking out, um, you know, people who are going to be considered for a job. I said, you've got to do more work to add, um, you know, black people, um, people of color to, to that 
um, to those, those candidates who are being considered. That's, that's your job. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard work for you, but you've got to do that. You've got to do more due diligence and find those who are, who are you know, already qualified. And then to provide more opportunity to those who aren't qualified, maybe it's taking every position at every level, right? So say like sporting director, uh, coaching staff, you got your academy, um, training staff, and maybe it's creating a role within every one of those levels where you can um, have some type of mentorship program, some type of you know internship mentorship program where you provide opportunity to somebody who otherwise wouldn't have opportunity, somebody who's black to get in those positions. And maybe that's a rotating position. You know, maybe you see a new face there every single year, but that's a position on every staff. So the trainer's got a black person learning that doesn't have opportunity. You know, the academy coach has somebody getting that coaching experience on that staff. The coaching staff has somebody black in there. Um, the sporting director has somebody in the office on the day-to-day -day on, on these phone calls, learning what it's like to be in those roles to get that experience. So everybody has an opportunity now to get in on those discussions, get your foot in the door, sit at the table, um, and really start to make change. And these guys, these guys will listen. You know what I'm saying? When we talk, they will listen. This is the time for us to do it. Um, don't let, you know, don't let the momentum slow down. Keep your foot on the gas pedal, fellas. Everybody's fighting a good fight and it's all worth it. So if it gets, if it gets tough, guys get tired sometimes, I get it, but know what we're fighting for. And in the, in the end, I think it'll, it'll all be worth it. So, so love, man. Um, I appreciate you. Real quick, before you go, yep, yep, yep. that was great. I just wondered, is there anything quickly that you can tell us about, about the Black Coalition? I was going to ask that, too. Okay, yeah. So, no no problem. I'll. Uh, what, what do you guys want to know about the Black Player Coalition, just in general, how it started? How was it formed? Yeah. What's the you know process? What are you guys looking to engage in kind of thing? Mission, yeah. Yeah. So, so this is something that, that came together pretty pretty quick, right? Um, so, we started off as just, as just conversation um, amongst the guys in the heels of, of George Floyd, um, and you know, Justin Morrow, Jelani Baba, um, myself, Ike Parr just came together and had a discussion, like very much like we're having. You know what I'm saying? Like in a in an Instagram message, started as a text message, moved into an Instagram group. We started adding more guys to the Instagram group. Got to the point where we filled out an Instagram group, and we were talking about you know we were, we were all pissed off. We were we were you know we were hurt. Um, it was one of those one of those times where we were just leaning on each other to to try to figure out any and everything that we could do. Um, to get the shit to stop, you know, quite frankly, like it's enough is enough, you know, like we see the shit and, and people get desensitized to it and we just go back to normal life. So we said, how can we have, you know, a lasting impact on change um, and affect, you know, not only change within the MLS, um, you know, address the systemic issues within MLS, but how can we use that to, to change things in the world um, in the communities that we live in? Um, so, we quickly came together. A lot of guys um, put a lot of like time and work in uh, to create, um, you know, formal organization. And we quickly spread spread word. Everybody um, reached out to guys in their team, and within a few days, we had seventy guys, you know, on a Zoom call. And everybody everybody was there. Everybody's listening. Everybody's intent. Everybody's pitching in, um, you know, their thoughts about one the currently what's going on, um, you know, reasons reasons why you know, we haven't been heard. Um, and there was just this, this, this feeling that there's, there's, there's a, there's a comfort. Um, there's a, there's a feeling of empowerment, um, a feeling of safety when you have the support of your black, um, fellow black teammates and black friends in a, in a space where like this, we can have open chats with each other. We can discuss things that we otherwise we couldn't do. 
you know what I'm saying? And that was a popular, um, popular feeling amongst everybody is how many times does everybody here, you know, feel silenced or feel like they, they couldn't say something because you would, you would get that, that tag as a, as an angry black man, um, or that would follow you throughout your career and you'd be known as the disruptive black player within the locker room. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody's been there. Um, and then when you do choose to stand up for yourself, um, that's hundred percent, you're right. hundred percent, you know, what you should be able to do, but, a lot of times we see that end, um, you know, in a negative situation or somebody losing opportunity within within the workplace, which which should never happen. Um, so we started talking about things on different levels, right? And just kind of what we set out to do, um, you know, internally and talking about some of how we we're actually going to enact this change. Um, for, for a lot of businessmen, everybody to understand when how guys think um, in those rooms is driven by money. Um, and once you understand that, like having them basically say, this is what we're going to do to change and pushing them to say, okay, we're putting these programs in place. That's an uncomfortable space to be in. But if they're actually doing that, now we have our foot in the door. You know what I'm saying? Now we have opportunity at the table. Now we have the ability to get into that space um, and then also drive change from those positions and not just from afar being given money. You see what I'm saying? So... Yeah, I mean, when I say money, I just mean like investing in, yeah. in say programs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah salute you, man. Salute you, guys. Good yeah, luck. Good work. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody? Uh, what's that? You going in it right now? Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna hop in the uh, the meeting before the meeting. Um, all right, all right, all right. If uh, if anybody has questions, if anybody wants to chat about it, um, I'll uh, make sure I drop my name in the in the group text. So everybody knows it's me, but. Feel free to reach out, man. I'm always, I'm always here for you guys. Appreciate you, my guy. Thank, brother. Stay right. up, bro. Man, I'm trying to do that for the USL for real. <clears throat> yeah, I remember when I first, um, because I'd originally talked to Patai about it, and he had said that that was going on, and I was thinking about it, but it's like you know we don't. It's like we're not as established as a league in the sense as as, as they are. And don't really have the same like you know the uh, the stuff with RPA is not quite as you know as fluid as theirs and whatnot like that. So it was like, and then on top of that, to have the right people step up and lead that at the same time. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Yeah, look, I think uh, I think why it's really good for the MLS though is because the MLS is own owns all the teams. So essentially, yeah. if you can get to the root, like if you can if you can affect the MLS. By by and large, the MLS is going to implement those things over the entire league and over all the teams. Yeah. Whereas in the USL, each team is individually owned, so that's it makes it, like it makes it almost easier. Be, I wouldn't say easier because none of this shit is easy, but it, it makes it kind of more accessible if to get to your owner, to get to like within your team. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And then from that, if we can if we can form something that's league wide. Then, then that would be really powerful. But uh, I think that's a unique difference between between the MLS and the USL. Um, yeah, I mean, I probably I'd have to agree with George there. I mean, I think I, I think with I, I kind of want to go back to what he was talking about earlier with our owner, and I, I kind of want to see what you guys think about your your team's individual responses or as organizations, how your teams or how do you feel your teams have responded to you know, what everything that's going on is, it, it, do you think it's a positive move? I know George talked a bit about the situation or the uh, organ or the programs that they're, 
developing there. And I know New Mexico put out um, the program that they're working on as well. But um, and then Hugh gave a little background on our on basically the Quiet Charlotte Independence. Uh, so I, I kind of want to see what you guys feel, how your organizations have responded. Yeah, I, I mean for I think our club has been been really bad, to be honest. I've been super disappointed. Um, we had a meeting with our our GM, I think it was yesterday, yeah. and he was like, they're trying to do some like diversity program within the team, just to like, I don't even, I'm not really sure what the the what he's trying to get out of doing this program, but. Um, I brought up a couple things to him because I don't know if you guys know about like all the shit that went on with our team in preseason. Like yeah. we had the coach saying the N word in the locker room and shit. And like, it just kind of like got brushed under the rug and like, they like let him resign. So like we had fans that were like blowing us oh up God. about like nigger this nigger that, like calling us all types of shit. Like as if like we did something <laughs> wrong in that situation and the club did nothing like, to like really back us like all they said is like yeah he resigned didn't give a reason didn't tell the story of what actually happened kind of just let like the public decide what really happened um so then now that all this stuff has happened our club put out like some like super generic like two sentence statement um and i don't know i just felt like it was just kind of like almost like a piss like on us like and I asked the GM or the president, the president, I asked him like why they haven't like done more. And his reasoning was like, they're doing a bunch of stuff behind the scenes basically that we don't know about. And they're having like meetings with all of the, basically like the whole staff in the club. He said like, we've had like weekly meetings and we've discussed this stuff like multiple times in these staff meetings. And I told him, I was like, I understand that, but like, I wanted to ask him like how many, you know, people of color are in those meetings? Like how many people do we have in our whole staff that that are, are minorities? Um, because I promise you it's not very many. Um, but I, I told him like, look, like, you know, we're we're a group of players that like we've got black players on our team that you've not reached out to, you've not asked us like how we feel about anything, you've not asked us like, you know, how you can help us do something, you've not put out a, a real genuine statement. Like he said something the other day because Joe uh, did some interview and, and said a bunch of stuff about how he feels. And then he, the only thing he could do was quote what Joe said. He couldn't even come with his own like individual statement. So I just feel like our club specifically <laughs> hasn't done enough, especially when I've seen some of the stuff that some of the other clubs have done. Um, so that's a battle that, you know, I think we're going to have to, me and Joe specifically, we're going to have to continue fighting. If you guys have any, like, ideas or suggestions of stuff that we could talk to them about to, you know, dive deeper into, I think that would be, that would be great and much appreciated. I think we've uh, had a different perspective over here um, with Sacramento. I mean, they've been, like, I, I think it's kind of funny in contrast. Not funny, but, like, you know, talking to Fatai every day, like he'll hear when like the coach or somebody will call me and that's happened like so many times that they've called to like check on me or ask like what they can do or whatever like that. And, it's, and for the most part, I've considered it really genuine at the end of the day for me. Obviously, you know, we all can have our 
own interpretations of how people are at this point. But like, I, I feel like they've stepped up in a way, but it's kind of fallen on, I guess, not just my hands, but the black guys on our team to do something at the end of the day. But it's like, what do we do when, you know, it's not, not, not that it's their fault, but the, the, the club and ownership is majority white. Like, I don't fault them to, for coming to us and be like, what, what do you want us to do? Or like, what can we do to help? And it's like, we don't even know what to do. Because one, I, I've only been in Sacramento for five months, four months. I spent four of those five months in quarantine. Like, I don't know nothing about Sacramento. I don't know who to talk to, what to talk about, where to go to do anything. So it's like, you know, what, what, what is anyone supposed to do in this situation besides, you know, wait for somebody else to step up I uh, I got I don't have much I gotta get off I gotta go to another call as well man so I just want to tell y'all kind of what we've been doing here in Louisville man um, I'm actually really impressed with how the club has taken heed to some of the stuff going on um, and I and I think part of that is because it affects more people you know in the, those positions and I think that's part of the reason I think that it's definitely had an impact on how we've been able to go in and implement uh, some things, you know? Like right away, we had a, a club-wide, um, basically discussion organization about, uh, within like the whole organization about some of the things going on and then how the club as a whole can, can implement some change. So we spoke about programs, spoke about uh, different education tools and resources tools to, um, to implement through uh, the club. So that's when this kind of committee uh, took off. So essentially like the role of the committee is to educate and then provide opportunity and resources for not only the people in the club, but also into the community. Uh, so, I mean, obviously football is our game. So we'll be using that to get into some of the school systems doing uh, like clinics for underprivileged. You know, a lot of the problems with a lot of the uh, minority neighborhoods is from the west end of town is getting their way out here, you know what I mean? And commuting and things like that. So providing transportation, going into schools and educating on top of that, uh, bringing in, uh, you know, different people other than us and putting the onus on the players. Like there's public black leaders in all of our communities, you know what I mean? And, and we've reached out to some of them um, to come in and speak and educate and maybe like lecture series to where once a month, the club puts on a topic, let's just say race and sports. And they use that platform, our platform, or any platform of the professional team to just simply educate on how black people have lived in professional sports. You know what I mean? And then you can take it deep. So I know, Joe, you, you spoke on some of your experiences in Germany. You know what I mean? To be able to educate people because a lot of people don't know that shit like that goes on. You know what I mean? So the education piece, I think, is like from jump, what like Carlton, you speak of, what can they do? Like educate, reach out to somebody. Maybe there's professors around Sacramento, you know, Pan-African Studies. Um, there's diversity training. There's all these different resources of education that you can use and say, hey, listen, whoever the director of community relations is in Sacramento, say, hey, man, make it part of your job to go out and seek these people out and bring in resources to the club so that y'all can help me, shit. Not just y'all, but like, I wanna learn too. I wanna educate too. I wanna know how I can help. You know, and there's other people in positions that that's what they do. That's, that's what their life is based upon, is, is how to, to 
put these messages forward and to gather the resources so that they can implement change into the communities. And um, like, I, I've kind of taken this on as a, as a role in myself. So um, I'm kind of proud of it, man. And, and I'm actually really proud of, I know you, you spoke to Speedy, Brandon, and, and he, he mentioned how proud he is that the club is taking some initiative. But I know, and I definitely know that it ain't like that everywhere. You know what I mean? And a lot of these people, they're going to do what they have to do. Are they going to do what they can do to save face or, you know, to, to kind of get along until shit passes? So I'm kind of taking responsibility, and I challenge you all to kind of take that responsibility to challenge them folks, you know? And, then, and this is a whole nother topic we can get into, but fuck, man. How many times have you kept your mouth shut so that you didn't jeopardize your career? Or how many times did you, you know, not do something you wanted to do because your life is footy and you ain't want to put that in jeopardy. You know what I mean? So these are questions that we have to ask ourselves every day. And I'm not telling any of you to go out and put your, your career on the line. Um, but, at, but I, I do challenge you, man, to, to make it hard for him, you know, like challenge your president, you know, be like, that ain't good enough, man. Like you said, you wanted to ask him for time. How many, how many black men are in that room? Like that matters, you know, like, that matters because that man can't speak for you. You know what I'm saying? He has no idea what your life experiences are leading to this point. So, um, like, yeah, man, I got to run, man, but I love y'all, man. I appreciate you, G. I, I want this shit to continue, man. Y'all need anything yeah. like Sean said, man, reach out to me. I'm, I'm here for it. No yeah. doubt. All right, All right bro. Later, bro. Peace. Now, Carlton, I was just going to say, I'm, I'm kind of in a similar position as you, man. Uh, you know, obviously being captain of the squad and whatnot, they kind of give me a lot of responsibility and in, in, in freedom in terms of yeah. ideas, whether it's stuff on the field or, you know, just team of team outings, whatever it is, you know. So I've been kind of trying to take this time and be, I've been meaning to hit you up, you know, especially being in the DMV of ways I can kind of go to them, bring something to them, take that initiative and say, all right, this is what we're trying to do. And I'm glad George, you know, butt in and, and said all that stuff because I think it's important to kind of like hear from each other different ideas stuff like that because even me me and Hugh, we talk all the time we kind of struggle with like yeah we don't really have all these ideas but like we want to do something about it but it's, it's difficult you know it's difficult mm -hmm. so i think it's, it's important that we continue to bounce these ideas off each other and, and kind of see how we can affect our own communities and, and and you know carve the way from from that aspect yeah i mean the thing was like the community relations guy hit me up and he was like yo like do you want to go like like take some pictures tell a story i was like you know that's all good and fun and all at the end of the day you get a message out but that's not really doing nothing at the end of the day it's like what what can we do about this to like you want something like you know, sustainable you know yeah exactly and it's like 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 i was telling them i was like i just don't know who to go to where to go to i was like that's why i wanted to reach out to y'all to help y'all as in the, the community relations guys to ask them about like what to do and they, I mean they didn't they didn't really know what to do either but yeah. just to just kind of turned it on to me is like what do you want to do you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> but that's just good that George yeah. said something because I yeah. like that idea as well for sure you know what I mean but obviously we're still in this whole COVID thing and that was one thing they brought up as well is like they can't really do too much until I'm just organized and anything because of like the, the regulations and restrictions and stuff like that. So it's kind of, that's, that's where it's kind of foreign. It's kind of settled like that. And it's like, I'm just you know, kind of running to this, this wall with it. 
Yeah, I got a, I got a couple things to say on, on what y'all have been saying. And I think a lot of it's, a lot of what y'all have said is good. Um, the first thing I would say is when your team comes to you and asks you what, what they, what you, what you want them to do. I think that's a, it's an unfair question in a lot of ways, but it's also an opportunity because now you can use that as an opportunity to learn more about what's even possible right? You don't have the answers because a lot of times as players, your, your field of vision is so, and it's by design, but your field of vision is so narrow that you don't know what all is possible to be done by a club. So I would encourage you to turn that question back on them and say, like, what, like, what budget do we have? Where are ways in which that we're already tapped into communities? Um, start to figure out what's possible, use it as an opportunity to start to learn the business through their eyes so that you can start to think bigger picture, right? And then on the idea of, you know, kind of what George is saying and how we're bouncing ideas off of each other in this room, like that's what the USL Black Players Coalition can look like. Like use each other as resources because a lot of times, I know a lot of the clubs are going to come at one player at a time, but if you guys are behind the scenes unified together and supporting each other in this, you know, George has this thing moving. Maybe it looks different in Sacramento, but you can take ideas from that. You can take ideas from what's happening in Charlotte. You can take, And now there's strength in community. We're all maybe spokespersons for our isolated communities and teams, but we're still moving together as a cohesive unit. Like, and there's a real opportunity in the fact that the USL is so young and it's so, it's growing very, like it's growing so fast, but like there's an opportunity in the fact that it's so young because it's not necessarily as established, it's, you know, they're, they're open to ideas. So use that as, as an opportunity. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good point because that, 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 that field of work is so out of left field for me, but they, there's so many possibilities. Like, so the, the, what is it? Uh, Fatai, what is Kate Solomon's job description? Uh, she's like the community relations manager, I think. Okay, yeah. So she's been she's been hitting me up, asking me like, what what um, ideas do I I have and stuff like that. <clears throat> now I've told her a few of my ideas, but obviously that's coming from a limited limited, you know, uh, mind state. Obviously, I don't know everything that goes into the community relations. But now that I've been out and I've seen a couple of the things that you know some of these nonprofits do, like more often than not, your team in your city knows the other nonprofits, you know, like they know what's going on in the city. So there's a lot of nonprofits in these black organ in these black communities that are already doing what the club is trying to do, but they don't fund it. So there's a there's this nonprofit here. They do like positive affirmations. They do um, education, um, a lot of mental health, um, sports like they do. They cover all of that, but they just don't have no money. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to get the club to, you know, fund it a little bit, you know, because you're asking me, there's somebody that already does it, you know, but right. is a lot of these 
a lot of the clubs they want to do the, the 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 press run be like no it's ours it's our it's our uh, organization that's doing it so they want to post it but like if you really want to help it doesn't matter uh who's doing it help the people who are already doing it you know what i mean mm-hmm. that, that's the that's the thing that we're caught into now so obviously not every club has these people that are working in there that have the time to sit there and actually teach these kids in the classroom. They can just go to a clinic for two hours and then send the kids home. Like that's not going to help either. Cause a lot of, you don't know the kids home situation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So with that being said, like with that being said, a lot of these organizations, they're working with the kids like eight hours a day. So if you already have that, you know, I'm just, I'm, I mean, I'm going to try and keep pushing and see what they can do, but there's already people that are doing it, you know? So We'll see. I think I think that's a good, a very good point because I think I, it was so much trying to figure out how to do something on my own, yeah. not, not even necessarily on my own, but trying to do something, you know, create something instead of latching on to something that's already there. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's becoming a mediator between the two, right? Uh, you know, connecting the two together to 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 make that you know a, a stronger uh, organization or whatever it may be. I think that's definitely something to look into. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, for me personally, as we talked about our owner, Brandon and I, how he's not really supportive with our players. For me, I've kind of gone and taken the initiative within myself. So I already, I already knew of a nonprofit organization here that helps minorities and refugees, but I kind of Googled and got in contact with some others. And so, I mean, I've been here for a year and some change now. I met an apparel company and some guys reached out to me like, hey, do you want to create a t-shirt, Black Lives Matter t-shirt with the little Charlotte City crown, Charlotte City um, skyline in the background, gave me the freedom to des- to design it. But this is not the independence back me up. This is not anybody. This is solely me. And I know I'm going to have to drop maybe $40, $50, which is cool. But all the proceeds are going to go now to this charity for the nonprofit. It's going to go. I'm going to put it on my website with this brand, whatever. But I'm going to make sure fans and just people in general can see these t-shirts and get an opportunity and like, all right, you buy the t-shirt but not only that all the proceeds are going to charity so they can directly help because i know you guys are all here getting people and getting hit up like what can i do to help what can i do besides using my voice and so all right we're all here trying to create ideas i'm like well why not make this easier for them i'm going to create my own little t-shirt own little you know charity fund donation for them directly to go to so they can see this and easily boom bang buy a little t-shirt all proceeds go straight to charity and like I said, this is just me reaching out and doing my homework and doing this a month myself because, as we mentioned earlier, with our owners not really backing us up. And, I mean, it would be beneficial for them, but if they're not really willing to back it up, sometimes you got to do things around them within yourself. And so people, you know, that kind of shakes people up and kind of wakes them up so they realize, like, all right, like, they're serious about this. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, I mean, it's not even it's not even a, that hard to find some of, the, some of the organizations in the city either. Like, you can – Check out on Instagram, on IG, certain hashtags and things like that, you know. So, yeah, it's definitely out there. But, you know, yeah, like like uh, Carlton was saying, just trying to be the mediator, you know, try and get them to both come to the table and find some common ground to be able to, you know, fund each other because that's the key right there. What's it been like out in Kansas City, Kyrie, out there for you guys? Uh, it's, been, it's been good, man. Uh, very strong out here. Um you know, it was it was crazy because um, Thursday, last Thursday before Juneteenth, um, me and uh, Amadou Dia, we ended up 
you know, bringing all the guys in. And we actually had talks um, previous to that training about what we could do, um, not for just Juneteenth, but um, so on going forward. And uh, we were able to sit everyone down from the team, the staff. We talked about experiences we had as players um, and shared those stories because, you know, Kansas City isn't, it's not very diverse, I would say. Carlton knows that it's not very diverse. And there's, there's you know, um, I would say a lot of racist people in Kansas. Um, and a lot of these players didn't, didn't grow up with, with black players and, and stuff like that. So we were able to sit down and talk about what we're going to do um, and, and our experiences. And, you know, that, that's, that was an eye-opener for me. Um, because this this club has been very successful and they've had a lot of black players on the team, but never, I wouldn't say they, they never like reached out or did more to show that they support us. And so me and T took upon ourselves and we're getting in touch this week with nonprofit organizations and, and you know, we're, we're doing what we can here to, to let it be known um, with the club fully supporting us and asking us what else we can do. So it's, it's been, it's been nice out here and, and it's, it's a blessing really. I saw your article too, about you standing up, using your voice, you know, speaking specifically on the George Floyd murder and things like that. So, I mean, I didn't, I definitely commend you for doing it. Just speaking up in general, I didn't know if that was an organization reaching out or if they had the support behind you and, and you know, to continuously, help the movement, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I, our, like the organization here, they, I mean, Rise, I came into training and I think everyone could see I was upset. I didn't want to go to fucking training. Mm-hmm. Um, then they were like, okay, like this shit really affects Kyrie and not just Kyrie, but the black community as a whole. Um, what can we do? And, you know, I just want to put my voice out there and say, my thoughts on all of it and yeah man i mean shit we need to be fucking heard i know that for sure we need to be heard no matter if it's interviews you know chatting with friends like yo we gotta tell these people what happens on a daily basis um what we experience what we see um you know we had a one of our captains uh after we had the the sit down with the team um, it was crazy. The next uh, Saturday, the next Saturday, he sat down with me at breakfast, me and Eric Hurtado, and he was like, he was wearing his Juneteenth shirt, and this, he's a white, he's a white guy walking around Home Depot, and he said, man, I caught eyes from all these people, because they said Black Lives Matter and it has 16, 619 on the back, and he's like, man, I caught eyes, I felt hella uncomfortable. And I was like, yo, that's just a little taste of what we experience on a daily basis. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just normal. Like, that's, it's normal for us. It's, Thank it's you. Okay, you know? Minimum. <laughs> yeah. Minimum. Yeah. So he, was, he was shocked. He was like, I never knew, and never knew that this happened. Even my own mom. I mean, my mom's white. I'm mixed. She had no idea I was going through this shit 
and I'm about to be 27. Like she, 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 she married my dad, but you know, we've dealt with racism, but she didn't understand. She didn't really know that I was doing shit on a weekly basis. Right. And it was shocking to me. Um, but you know, she sees me as her son, you know, I'm, I'm very loving. I'm, I care for everyone. I don't, I don't judge people. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, it's strong here and bro, we're going to keep pushing this shit. Exactly. Been out protesting and everything. We respect. Yeah. Hey. Hey. So speaking of experiences though, have you guys had any or noticed anything different? Obviously things since everything's happened, like for me, you know, I travel to Leesburg every morning, excuse me. And the other day, it's like, it's probably like a 35, 45 minute drive. And the other day, literally driving, tra- training. They got you commuting. So yeah, commuting, bro. You're commuting, bro. I got one more year this, this BS, bro. But, but for real, though, like on the drive there, dog, literally counted seven cops in the area. And I'm just like thinking at the same time, yeah, this is, you know, cops are out, but for me, it was just Iowa. Not that I got anxious or whatever, but I just, it, it set some alarm off there. I was like, yo, just chill. Do you think, be cool. You know, obviously be who, right. you, who you are. But at the same time, it's like, bro, it's, it's, the streets is wild right now, bro. It's, it's wild. And I'm sure B, you know, I was out in, in Shaw the other day, you know, for Juneteenth, fireworks, pop, 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 all day. You know what I'm saying? Like, Every night. was out there doing their thing. Yeah, bro, it's crazy right now. Have you guys experienced anything, you know, personally different bro yeah. I, I mean on top of just that alone like i mean I, I, for whatever reason i'm feeling more paranoid than i ever had you know pulling up like in front of a cop i'm over here like this like don't, like i was leaving chipotle like not minding my own business there's like a stop sign and this cop pulls up behind me i was like don't roll the fucking stop sign don't roll the fucking stop sign <laughs> he did he no, did the count real too hard Hey, bro, stop real hard at the stop sign. One, two, three, four, five, Mississippi. four, away. You know, pull, up, pull, up, pull up at the light. Can I make a right turn right here? Yes, I can. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to wait for the light to go green. I don't care if nobody honks at me, nothing. But that's like the feeling that it's like even more now I'm over here. Like I, in this, the, at the same, the same day, like the cop is in Chipotle. I walk in Chipotle and I'm like, I'm not even trying to look at this, man. You know what I mean? It's, it's it's that feeling right there now that's that's what it's kind of going through. And I can even tell like at training, it's uh I think I think like the coach had said something about like uh what was it? Something we were it's something to do with the pennies and colors. And it was like we were wearing white. It was like whites versus the colors or something like that. And then somebody uh, no. I was like, oh, <laughs> and then it was kind of everybody was like, it got quiet. <laughs> it was but it was one of those. He's like, he's like, yo, but the thing was he even he name dropped me, he's like, yo, cause I didn't even mean that like that. I was like, like I didn't say anything. You know yeah, what I mean? But that's what it's exactly, but that's what it's become now. It's like it's either yeah. they're being extra nice and extra cautious about everything they say when they're around you. But I wonder if they're keeping that same energy behind those doors or around their friends or whatever, whoever it may be. I think I even saw some on Instagram where it was like, yo, like, stop reaching out, like, for white people, like, stop reaching out to all your black friends and, and trying to, like, apologize to them. Go reach out to your 300, you know, violent white friends and talk to them. You know what I mean? Like, we, we don't need, we don't need your, you know, your, your opinions or whatever it may be. Go talk to you know your racist friends that you know that you're not saying anything to. 
Bro, I noticed that, like, I've gone to the grocery store. I've told Fatayan Carlton this. I've been going to the grocery store, grab my shit, but, like, walking through the grocery store, I see a lot of, like, white people with their heads down when they when I'm passing by. And I don't know if it's out of guilt or, like, shame, but, like, I'm like, damn, like, y'all, like, you should, if, you, if you're, if you're guilty, you're guilty, but if you're not, you should have your head up. You know what I'm saying? Like, Y'all shouldn't be looking down at the ground when I'm passing by. Y'all shouldn't be, yeah. And, and I went to dinner. I had this. I was, talk, I was with with this girl, and um, you know, we sat down. To <laughs> yeah, you try to play that down, dog. Yeah. No, no, no. a girl. We got seated next to this couple, this white couple. And immediately when we sat down, these couples stood up and asked to be moved. And I was like, damn, this is damn. fucking crazy. And this is in Leeward. This is like white, rich neighborhood. Like, it's nice as shit. And I'm like, damn, it's like 10 minutes away from me, 10 minute drive. I'm like, yo, like, this is the shit. You don't see any black people there. You don't see any black people there. And I'm just like, Jesus. But I've seen hella heads down. I've seen hella people, you know, re uh, reach out to me, say this and that. But it's just like, yo, why are you guys reaching out to me now? <laughs> why? Just because of the times? Y'all should have been doing this shit. Mm -hmm. Like, shit should have been a regular thing. Facts. Facts. Yeah, like, I even walking the dog and shit. It's like the neighbors, like I said, I've been here for four months and walking the dog, like, never look my way before anything like that but all of a sudden I'm walking down the street it's like oh hey how you doing <laughs> how you, how you doing today <laughs> I'm like bro I was like yeah I was like yo like I don't like I don't care for that right now you know what I mean mind your own business if anything I don't want to talk to y'all more than anything like it, just keep keep the same energy that y'all was on before but don't don't think that you're doing something for me by saying hi all of a sudden or yeah or anything like that like just like I was like I was with a girl yesterday and had my hood up and we were walking and it was like it was late and I was like you know it's kind of funny it's like I, I actually feel real comfortable right now with my hood up walking walking outside because you're next to me right now but I swear to god if you if you weren't here my hood would be down and my hat would be turned backwards so you could see my face but that's but that's just what it is you know what I'm saying it's like it's, it's that it's change a, in mentality right now it's a bunch of irony as well because like Nobody was acting like this five, six months ago. Oh, like, right. for example, yep. I did a, an article um, for the league about Juneteenth, and one of the questions was just slapping irony in my face. Like, what do I think of the hype around kind of like Black Lives Matter right now? And I'm like, it's funny you ask that because Juneteenth has been around for how long? And I've been dedicated to this holiday. And I just think it's just a bunch of irony. People are afraid to, you know, hold their friends and family accountable, um, hold themselves accountable. Um, and they people are afraid to believe that they're racist um, because that's the scariest thing to them, being racist instead of, you know, holding themselves accountable and knowing that they've had a problem, whether it be, you know, how they were brought up or what they learned, but the first step is acknowledging that you have a problem because being friends with black people is different from saying, Oh, I'll let my daughter date a black guy. You know what I'm saying? 
even though that's a simple example, but it's just like, you could say that, oh, I have black friends, I'm not racist, but in the other breath, you'd be like, oh, fuck no. My daughter's not that. You know what I'm saying? So, I think it's hilarious, to be honest. Well, I mean, where that starts is in the house. Like, like we said, it starts in the home because a lot of people our age who, like you said, may, they may not be racist, but, you know, they, they grew up a certain way and their, their point of view and, and the way they look at things are through their parents' eyes and their parents' eyes, you know what I'm saying? So it's a lot of the times they, they aren't racist. I, I feel like they're not racist. They just grew up in a way. Just ignorant. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And they don't know. They don't know better. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's why it's our jobs to, to, to tell them our experiences and what we go through and shit like that. Yeah. What? I think it's interesting because it's like, it's, so, it's always like little things like that. Like, you're like, I don't, I'd hate to call you racist, but you are racist for walking across the street when you see a black person. Like you, you are you are racist when you get scared and and hug your purse in whatever situation you may be in around a black person. You are you are racist for making those those judgments. Like at the end of the day, and and is no one wants to be called it, but it's like you said, it's it's about acknowledging the subconscious at the end of the day. Like you can't just you can't just avoid it. You know what I mean? Like it, it's about calling people on their shit. I, and I and at the same time, I don't, I don't even feel like having that burden on me is like having a you like babying people at the end of the day. You're having to sit there and be like, "Yo, like you're racist." You know what I mean? Like what you just did right there was wrong. Like I feel like I shouldn't have to do that at this at this point in time. You know what I mean? It's like you you can surely think to yourself and be like, "Why did I do? Why did I feel that way when I saw that black person?" Like, hmm, I had no I had no reason. I'm, maybe I'm racist. You know, is that not a thought at all? I think that's crazy because, like, even you see these racist videos, like the videos that go viral, people just saying racist things, and then a week later you see them having an apology video. It's like, bro, you that said shit it. is so fake. Like, you didn't oh, know moment that <laughs> that exactly, girl bro. the other day on the pickup truck, right? Oh my gosh. Like they only apologize when their job finds out or it affects their exactly, life. Exactly, bro. She said, "This that's, is that's not always... me. This is not me." Like you could have said this in the video. Crazy. That come with that same energy, you know. You know. What's it like out there for you, Lana? People are showing their true colors. I mean, obviously, you, you look at someone like that. In my opinion, she's older, so that's a a generational gap, obviously, but also. She seemed like, she, I don't know where that took place, but there are places in this country, I've had, you know, I've played all over the country and I, I feel like some places are more diverse than others. For example, like playing in Nashville, uh, around, the, around, the, around the corner from where the apartments were, the team apartments, there was like a, I don't know, it was just, a, it must have been like a neighborhood, but they still called it what it used to be. It was still called a plantation, like there was a, there was like a picture of cotton and I forget the name of it. It was like colonial plantation and whatever. And I'm like, I'm driving past this every day. I'm like, I want to drive through this damn sign. They're still calling this neighborhood a fucking plantation. You know what I'm saying? Like, how does that make me feel? You know? But I mean, that's, that's just a 
geographics, in my opinion. I don't know. I've had different experiences. Well, the different majority places. of the the majority of those things, like they have origins. Like when you talk about all these people taking down statues and stuff, people been knew what the statues meant. Like you, you knew what it was built on. Like you know what I'm saying. So how are you acting like we were sitting here <laughs> looking at all these statues? Yeah. Somebody, somebody. In, Germ in Germany, do they have statues of of Nazis? Up Hell no! Up you know, like that's <laughs> uh, the, the traitors. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's the traitors of the country. You know, so how is how are these people still celebrated? You know, how are there still erected statues of these guys? It don't make no damn sense. It's, it's almost like they're one. They want to be like, look, like, all right, we'll take down this one. Is it okay now? Like, okay, we'll take down that one. Yeah, yeah. just take that one and call, call all right, it. All right, we got this one down too. You, Robert E. Lee too. Damn. Right, okay, I got that one. All right, whatever. Like, what's next? You know what I mean? People are getting pissed off about people taking down the statues, but they didn't know about the statues until people wanted to take it down. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's not like they were going to the statue every once a year, talk, like having a barbecue near it. You know, like I don't know. Strange to me. Oh, my, my, uh, somebody got me hip to one crazy one. Does anybody have a twenty dollar bill right now? That Jackson? You got you got the peas. On the they said they said on the back of the twenty dollar bill, right where they have the lamp hanging down, and. <laughs> Um, I was watching this video, like they zoomed into like those so-called bushes at the bottom of the White House. It's little faces, like circles, looking up. And the lamp, you see the lamp hanging down from the White House? Is that in the news? Bro, it's a lynching. So when you zoom in, you see a black face and then a body hanging on the lamp. Bro, uh -huh. I don't know. Hold on, what the? Let me go to the eight. Look it up on Benji's. Yo, Venmo me, Venmo me 20 real quick. That's why I want to use hundreds. Look it up on YouTube, bro. I just got hit to it recently. You know, I mean, I don't know if it's 100% true, but when I started looking at it and I saw the video, it looked like what it was. I was like, that's a mad thing, bro. Crazy. You just uh, look up a $20 bill lynching and it'll come up and a guy will be breaking down, breaking it down in the video. It's wild. So then, so then my thing would be like, like Sean talked about Don Garber taking away the national anthem in Orlando. So then how do you guys feel about that? Because I mean, I look at the national anthem similar, similar to the, the statues. Yeah. Bro, I, I even talked about that in an interview recently. I said, I'm, I'm angry because we've been having a national anthem at every game since we were a child, yo. And now it seems to me that they don't want to hear us. They don't want us to be, have a voice. So I was, I was angered by that. I said, that's bullshit. That's, that's absolute bullshit because, you know, we had planned um, to, to do something and then we were told that the national anthem was taken out. So now we've found other ways to go about our business, but it's like, yo, like this is this this is America, yo. Like this is the problems we're having right now. You guys need to see this shit. Everyone, everyone's watching. Got to see this shit. I don't want to play that, but we, we got shit, shit installed. We got shit installed that we're we're ready. 
No, so I agree with do you. you I think, do you I think he took it away because of because you guys are playing and stuff, or because? How how else do you see that? I mean, <laughs> I think when you see like the comments from like Donald Trump, all his tweets and stuff like that about respecting the flag and all that, it it's just like, like I guess I could say like I understand like why he would do that and say like okay, you we're not gonna play the national anthem because like it's easy for him to then say like oh well, I support like what all you guys all you black guys want and I support you guys and I'm I'm with you but then also just like make it so that like there's no demonstration like there, there's going to be nothing where like he's going to have to disagree with us in order to save face and like keep his league in, in a positive light in the country so it's just like I it's it, to me it just looks like obviously like what any like business person would do to to save their business yeah i think it's 100 percent a business move because um and i think this is the only country where they play the national anthem before like in europe there's no anthems playing before you play a game bro and um the nfl for a while they weren't players weren't out on the field when they were playing the national anthem mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it wasn't until they signed that deal or whatever and our players are paraded out in front of the in front of the flag and all that. So for me, I think it's very weak of him to just cave now and say, okay, yeah, I want the players, um, I support my black players, but you know, turn around and say, you know what, let's go ahead and get rid of this national anthem. Like you said, I've only I've only seen the post like of all the MLS posting like black this, black that. And I didn't even know about that. So it's like why did why wasn't that made public? Why why didn't right, you know, right, you know right. why didn't you publicly say there was not gonna be an anthem and see how people respond to that? Right. Because like, like you were saying, Kyrie, it's like that was that was gonna be how y'all were gonna demonstrate down there and you went and took it away, knowingly knowing that's how y'all were gonna demonstrate. Mm -hmm. Took it away, so it's like, you know, like you like you said, say face. At the end of the day, when people, when the backlash was gonna come about like Look at Don Garber's like supporting the disrespect of the flag. He's not gonna have an answer for that. So why not just yeah, go but ahead he's and take it upon yourself to say That's the problem there. He wouldn't. What's there to lose? I mean, you don't want our voice to be heard. We're part of your the, the MLS. This this yeah, is this is part of the. But he's gonna be can yeah. It's him that's gonna take the the, I, the flag for it and like I saw it right that's not the way he wants. That doesn't benefit his business. Just like yeah. you know, maybe hiring uh, three more uh, black people in in his office doesn't doesn't benefit his business. Maybe so he's not gonna do it. Like it, but then it's he, easy but for him to say like he supports us, but then it's about actions as well. So are y'all gonna find another way to to do a demonstration and protest? Good question. What's that? Are y'all gonna find with them doing away with the national anthem? Are y'all gonna find another way to let your voices be heard? Like, would it be like, I guess, like the first minute of the or the first at the kickoff, like y'all kick off and everybody take a knee? Or it's so a lot of players. Um, we <laughs> said what? It's, it's a secret. So whoever's playing that first game, um. I don't know if it's hundred percent. Oh wait, 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 if if it is if it is something that's secret, don't yeah, don't got it. Yeah, don't just do it. But if you if if y'all have something, I just wonder if y'all had something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if y'all had something. Okay. We have something for sure, um, and that's why that's why I was angered by the by when he took that out. I was like, that's that's bullshit, yo. That's such bullshit.
Yeah. But we got we got stuff, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be heard, you know. <laughs> so good, good. I ain't worried about that at all. Well, is that is that something that's gonna be like the the national anthem not playing? Is that something that's gonna be beyond just the the tournament, Orlando? Is that like the rest of the season and moving forward, or is that just for Orlando? It's just for Orlando because he said there's gonna be fans. See, because then yeah, see that would that would be that's my issue because like if it's something that's moving forward, then I kind of look at it as like that's just getting rid of another statue essentially. Um, But since it's only for Orlando, and then planning moving. Forward, they're going to start playing it again. Then, yeah, I think that's something that that uh, would be very upsetting. Maybe when he said it, I was like, "What?" Like that was that was the the response to that. I mean, that's blatant, like disregard for the movement right there as as a whole. Like, um, but he said he was with us, and then he does this. It's like, yo. You're a coward, yo. You're a coward. He doesn't want to catch that tweet from Trump about MLS and then have everybody leaking on TV. You didn't want to. You don't want to lose them TV viewers when Trump rallies half of white America to not watch MLS anymore. But you still want those like people were supporting. Watching. You still want those people supporting the fucking league. Is my point. Is you about still them dollars, bro? It's about them dollars. Supporting the league, like. What the fuck? Well, but this, this is where, this is where, like, this is where, this is where transparency, I feel like, comes in. Like, you know, when we have a committee in the MLS, Black Committee, you know, we need to know kind of what's going on, like, from a standpoint of, so that we're not kind of in the dark having these conversations, um, you know, not knowing kind of what's going on behind the scenes. Like, there needs to be some sort of form where, all right, well, this is, these are the tasks, um, or, you know, this is what we've done, um, or them just being very vocal about the reasons why they're making the steps that they're making. Um, I think it will help them from just a league, um, from a league growth standpoint, but also, you know, obviously protecting such a a big portion of um, players. I agree. Wild times we're in, boys. Wild times. Lastly, though, what do y'all think organizations should be doing, or not just not just organizations, but the whites, the majorities in general, not just posting stories, not just donating to some charity and feel good good about yourself after that day and going back into your ways the next day, kind of thing. What should so people know after hearing this and organizations know what we want and support wise? What should they be doing for us? Educate yourself. Yeah. Educate. It's simple, bro. The information is online. Like, you don't have to take a course to go look at this stuff. I was talking to somebody, and they were asking me, like, or somebody was uh, somebody said something. And I'm like, okay, so let's say you, you genuinely didn't know about everything that's going on. So did you just think Black folks like living in the hood? Did you just think Black folks uh, are are below you like is that what you really thought right. is that what you really thought if you're saying you didn't know all this stuff was happening is that what you really thought and when i say that i was talking to somebody about redlining and they were they, they had no idea what redlining was mm-hmm. i was like bro you think these schools in the hood are shit for no reason property taxes pays for the schools mm-hmm. that's why the schools are in shambles because there's 
the the property ain't worth nothing. Redlining, if you come from those neighborhoods, you can't get a loan. You can't just leave. Oh, why don't they just leave? You can't. Like, it's education, man. It's, it's, it's a simple solution. It's either you want to educate yourself or you don't, man. And that's yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly, bro. I think it's education and just being active. Like, if you're someone that, you know, okay, you are educated, now what are you doing? Like, you got to be active in the sense of educating others. Or, um, I mean, it's not always about going to rallies and protests, but if that's how you can be active, that's how you're active. If it's um, checking your, yo, checking your family, bro. Because, like, I've seen, I had a couple friends that's, bro, he's talked to his grandmother, he's talked to his aunts, and he's really been like, yo, like, at this point, you're not going to be a part of my life. And sometimes it ha that line has to be drawn. It's like you have to decide, like, I'm either going to be racist or I'm not going to be racist. And that's where it just, <laughs> bro, that's, that's where it is. Like, that's where the line is, and it has to be drawn. So um, being active, and I guess it's like if you are a large corporation and you're saying these things, then you have to put your money where your mouth is and be active. Not just throw your money there, but also be engaged. Like, so if I'm going to donate to a non-profit i'm gonna go and see where my money's going i'm gonna actually see what's going on and like help out in any way i can so um i think for us our job is just to challenge these people to to actually do that put them under pressure and hold their feet to the fire yeah i think even just to piggyback off of that i think it's it's uh, you look at what what new mexico's owners doing like they got to put their money where their mouth is Right, they got to institute these programs. They're going to give minorities and, and uh, the, the people who don't have the opportunities, they're going to give them the opportunities and they're going to use their money to give these people the opportunities. Like their programs subsidizing coaching uh, uh, license costs for, for minority, for certain minority candidates. Like that's huge because it's going to give more, uh, more minority coaches, more coaching licenses, which will hopefully give them higher opportunities at the professional level, at higher youth opportunities and things like that. So like, can St. Louis do the same thing? Can Cincinnati do the same thing? Can all these clubs who have the money and have the opportunities and have communities of coaches out there who are looking to do those things, can they give them the opportunities and not just in coaching, but also in front office roles as well? I think then the, another thing that was eye-opening for me was kind of like, you know, with Pride Month and everything. Like, look how hard a lot of these teams and organizations go for the LGBTQ community. Like, why, why, like, how can you, you know, go ahead and, you know, you change your logo uh, to color this and that. You got a pride night every, you know, it, it, it's stuff like that. Like, if you, if you're really about it, then you would go ahead and invest as much energy into that as you would for something that's, you know, it's that simple, a, a huge exactly it's, it's that big of a problem right now you know what i mean like it, it, it's like you said it's so simple it, it, you go so hard for for that that community like why can't you do the same for us jersey numbers i think that like, the flag yeah, exactly the flag you see you go and look at any club right now the logos are changed mm -hmm. you know they have you know the flag this the flag that and, and it's like we're in the middle of of you know, a, a big situation that that's kind of like overshadowed it in a way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, no, that's a great. Well, I mean, it's a it's a it's a thing about image. Like, you know, just to build on what you said, Carlton. Like, you know, the league mandates so many things. Like, you can't wear your own socks. You can't wear certain types of cleats because they're trying to protect their image. Um, this is no different. Like, this is your image in the space, and it's 
you know, definitely more important than what color socks or if like, you know, whatever. Like, but like, like, what is, like what legacy, what side of history are you, are you wanting to be on? And it's important because like, whether we like it or not, we're all tied to it. Like 50 years from now, when you say like you played in MLS or whatever it is, you know, what people think about that league is going to directly affect how they think about you. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's important. It's our legacies too. We're all tied in it. Big facts. It just baffles me that every single professional club and almost every sport has black players and minority players. And the fact that a lot of these owners don't even say a message or a statement in regards to us and not just us on the current roster. This is speaking to the communities that you want to come out fans wise and attendance wise and buy your merchandise. You're trying to speak to and you always preach about community involvement and things, but don't support your own players. It really just baffles me that we even have to voice our frustration sometimes and go around them without their support when we're literally dying for them. Now we're about to, you guys are going to a hub situation in Orlando. We're about to play in the midst of this virus. And now we're risking our lives pretty much where every player, almost every team pretty much has a player that's contracted right now and the odds are going to keep going higher. So we're risking ourselves and you're not even going to support us and for your future sakes too. And you want more players to come because you know, we talk behind the scenes too. And if you're not really repping us now, we're definitely going to make sure the next blacks and minorities coming through are going to know that same treatment. Yeah. And that's the crazy part. Like a lot of the markets that these teams are in have huge black populations, bro. Mm -hmm. DC has a huge black population. Cincinnati has a huge black population. Atlanta is all black. Like you have these huge <laughs> populations of people that just like just shift, shift into the side, bro. That's what's crazy to me, man. But also on the, on that on that same note, like we also there's also teams that are in crazy red states where there's a bunch of racists walking around um, that don't not that they don't know they're racist, but they're racist yet they still support the team and still support black players, you know? So there's like tons of influence there in terms of getting people out in November, in terms of, you know, getting people out for the center races, the things that are gonna be, uh, things that we see like immediately um, in terms of change. So I would say like, you know, as much as these owners, um, these things in terms of like dollars, dollars and cents, like in terms of culture, I think we can outmatch them, you know, especially in, in these in some of these some of these markets. For example, like, you know, I'm in North Carolina right now, um, battleground state. Like this is an important place where I think that, you know, guys in a professional setting on a team can really, you know, impact um, knowledge about what's going on and then impact people actually showing up to vote and then also encouraging other people to show up. You know what I mean? Like it's just a, it's a trickle down effect. Um, it also lets people know that, look, we're, we're aware in these spaces. We know what we're kind of dealing with out here in, uh, in red country, Trump country. Voting, man, is crucial right now, especially this election coming up in primaries and everything. Voting is a huge step. And more than just, just the national election, right? Focus on local elections. Like, exactly. I saw in, uh, in Louisville that they were locking out voters, man. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. voter suppression right in front of mm -hmm faces bro that was crazy like they made all the people from louisville go to some remote place to vote only to open up the polls for like an hour or so and then they just shut it yeah yeah they should it's enjoyed classic. it too it's, 
yeah. it's classic. You know, they just take away the working class vote. Like it's it's yeah. Yeah, it's the it's, same exact like plays. It's the same exact bullshit. And this is the thing that I think scared. Like the thing that's most worrying to me right now is like voter suppression has been happening forever yeah. since the beginning of time. Redlining forever, gerrymandering forever. Yeah. But like they're not even bothering to hide it anymore. It's open. Like, it's it's open. open. It's public news well before it happens they go through with it and they basically look you dead in your face and you're like so what are you going to do about it yeah that's the you know <laughs> I, I think that's what's even crazier with what's going like how you're seeing more and more cops doing things these days it's like, bro, surely y'all know that y'all are in a heightened sense of like people still watching doing something still doing us. yeah but there's still no consequence yeah right? that's, that's the problem that's showing your blatant disregard for, for the I had I, it was a crazy instance today I was driving home and I just I never really had the urge before but like I saw this cop pulled over this black lady she's on the side of the road like calling somebody she's obviously she's obviously you know trying to call somebody for help and then the first thing that came to my mind was like yo I should probably get out the car and like film it or something or help the lady or something like this cop could probably do something to this woman broad daylight, bro. Like, and it could end up on Twitter. And I could have been like, damn, I just drove right past. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it, it was one of those weird fucking matrix motions where like the shit had just flashed in my head while I was driving by the light. I was like, damn. I don't know that lady, she was freaking out on the phone too. And at the same time, all these things go through your head. Like, okay, let's say I stop pull up on the cop and he's like, get your ass on the floor, bro. Uh -huh. <laughs> then what? Right. Then that's, I remember that's what I said about the bullying thing. It's like, yeah. that's, that's what this whole thing is. It's like, you, everybody just sits back and kind of watches someone get bullied until something yeah. happens. And then you're like, shit, I should have fucking did something. Yeah. I mean, but like, again, like, I don't even know what you should have done. Like, I'm thinking you get out of that car. Fatah actually has a pretty good story too that he had, that he had told me about like just one of his teammates and everything it's like that it's like for for a white person it's calm for them to go get out of the car and start recording recording something like that but for us it's like bro you might get shot with whoever's getting shot right now so you you might as well just stay my the same thing my mom always used to tell me mind your damn business you, know, <laughs> you have if something's happening mind your damn business go ahead and keep it moving you know what i mean but man it's just but, awful that it's like that man because like I was just in the car and I was just thinking like, damn, man, this lady is helpless and she really couldn't do anything. And then I just kept thinking, all right, I'm gonna hop out this car, put my phone out and try and like film it. Then I just kept thinking, dude, obviously he's gonna call for backup. Obviously he's gonna call another squad car that's in the area. And my ass is gonna be right there on the curb. Pocket to grab that phone and That's yeah. a hard decision because even like Eric Garner, remember the, um, the dude that recorded his killing? Yeah, he he got arrested. Was in jail, bro. So it's like you wanna just got be out. there and you know be the outlet for people that might not see what's going on. But it's like it is a risk. You it's know? a risk, bro. Putting a life on and the it line. It shouldn't be, but yeah, and that and that's and that's 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 what uh that's what when we were saying like okay, this stuff is going on right in our face, and they're like okay, do something about it. That's exactly what it is right there. When they say do something about it, then you're like, oh shit, I don't want to die right now. Yeah. You know? 
Like, oh, getting, uh, getting bullied by, by your big brother, fight me, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, like me. Man. That's crazy. I feel like, I feel like, I, I feel you on that, Joe. Like, I feel like it's, uh, it's, it's obviously crazy dangerous, but I also have like the sense that we're at the point where, you know, whether or not you bring that phone out, you can get shot. Whether or not you're sleeping, sleeping in bed like Brianna Taylor, you can get shot. Like yeah. we're at the point where there's nothing left to give. Like yeah. we can't like take any more steps back because it's just such a, you know, assault on our humanity. Like it's, yeah. it's crazy. So, I mean, at a certain point, it's like, we have to, we don't have a choice. Yeah. It's survival tactics type shit. I mean, at this point, I feel like an obligation to, if I see uh, someone that looks like me that's, that's pulled over to the side, I feel like an obligation to be there for them just in case something pops off. Like, obviously, you say it's dangerous, but like, if, if I'm not there, how are we going to know what happens, you know? Because that person, you know, who knows what they're going to do with the body cams, who knows what, what the officers are going to say. Like, I feel like there's an obligation to, to at least be a witness. Yeah. Uh, 100%. And let these cats know you know you're right. Yeah. Yeah, man. 100%. Let them know you know exactly what's going on. But all right, my dudes. You know, all it takes is that, like, that one moment instantly to open that door and start walking and asking if something's all right. And then, like, I felt, I felt threatened. On the back. Get yeah. on your IG lives. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. But all right, my G's, I appreciate y'all hopping on the show. It's one hell of a show. I'm going to send y'all the audio, video, everything that last time. Keep doing the movement. Keep supporting. We're going to do a couple more episodes throughout the year type shit. Just keep this going. Because these people, from the last, the first episode, the feedback I got was incredible. So everyone just loves our issues, loves our matters, because this insight no one's really getting elsewhere, especially us sharing our stories. So definitely keep in touch within the chat. And I appreciate y'all again for hopping on. All right, bro. Peace. For sure. Appreciate y'all. Hey, one love, man. Y'all stay safe out there for real. Easy, fam. Later, Later boys.